We are officially underway in 2019, and so is the Caught Looking Show. Welcome back to our weekly episodes of the Caught Looking Show. And, I mean, we thought we were going to get here, and we thought we were going to talk about the Japan series. But one thing's obvious. It sucked. <laughs> I mean, no. Let, let's be honest, Mark. You didn't wake up at 5.30 in the morning to, to view the Japan series, did you? No, but this is, my, this is what I'm holding my hat on. I thought about getting up to watch it. That, you know, so that, that's the intention was there. Rob, Fred, if you're listening, we thought about it. Yeah, we that's considered. Apparently, the key to a successful major league season. But that's, that's a win. That's not why this week was so important. That has nothing to do with it, this. Why this week was so important? The major league season had nothing to do with why this week was so important. People got bread this week. They yeeted their wheat. They. <laughs> I don't know anymore. Uh, they obtained this grain. Oh, nice. They got paid. Let me read off in just a short couple days since we've last recorded the people that signed massive extensions. Obviously, you have the best player in the world, Mike Trout, signing a record-breaking deal literally weeks after a different record-breaking deal in American professional sports, courtesy of baseball. Trout got 12 years, 430 $430. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds preposterous. Like it, it doesn't. It sounds like there's a typo. There's yeah. something wrong about that. If you would have told Babe Ruth in 19 what 21 or wherever the hell he played in that someone would be signing a deal for 12 years and 430 million dollars, what the hell would this guy have said? He probably shoot himself in the forehead. He, I mean, he made like forty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really, that was good pay then. I'm gonna, outmake, I'm, I'm gonna outmake Babe Ruth with whatever I do in my life. You know that, right? That, you better hope so. That, no, hope to God so. But <laughs> yeah, let's just need your let's go over the extension. Trout got paid a ton of money. Paul Goldschmidt got paid five years, one hundred ten million dollars. Good for the Cardinals. Yeah. I like Goldschmidt is no undoubtedly a top ten player in the league. Uh, the Diamondbacks were wrong to get rid of him because they could have done this too. They could have built on what they had, but the Cardinals capitalized, and I love Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, he was my – I had him in the top five last week, my best players outside of Mike Trout. So outside of Mike Trout, Paul Goldschmidt, though, I had him in there, top five. He deserves that money. He's good. Alex Bregman also got paid, which is interesting because, yes, obviously we know that Bregman is very talented, but he's a little bit younger. Uh, he wasn't hitting free agency for a couple of years, but they decided to extend him. So hats off to them. And the Astros kept with the tune of keeping this this core together by extending Justin Verlander to a massive two-year, $66 million deal. Highest annual value for a pitcher in the MLB, Justin Verlander. That's interesting. Who's, what, 36, I think? Yeah, I know. Who that would have is... thought three years ago that Verlander would get a $33 million a year extension? That, like, it's, it's almost unheard of that he's revived his career this much. Since yeah, he's made, he has made incredible strides. I mean, this guy was, he won an MVP as a pitcher. He was the top of the top, and then he took a slide. He was, it was a roller coaster. And then as soon as he got back on the Astros, he absolutely shoved. And I don't know if it's something in the water in Houston. I don't know if it's something in the spin rate in Houston. But whatever it is, Justin Verlander has figured it out, and he's getting paid again, man. My guess in Houston, it's something to do with the pine tar. There you go, the pine tar. Conspiracy. To man. add on to that, and so we have all of these extensions. 
but there's a little bit of a shift going on in Major League Baseball in the way that contracts are made to rookies. Elora Jimenez signed a six-year, $43 million extension before he stepped onto a Major League field. We saw that last year in Scott Kingerly, and it's only been a year. He did not live up to his salary. He didn't, he didn't play well. He doesn't really have even a spot to play this year. I want to stray away from this whole extension stuff, but at the same time, last week we talked about how that seventh year of control, last week I talked about my one minute, how that seventh year of control is destroying Major League Baseball. It's making all of the rookies wait an extra month to come up. Could this be the start of the revolved Major League Baseball where you pay the guy before he comes up to save arbitration, to save you money, and to guarantee that guy a healthy living for six, seven years? I think that's like the standard. And and I'm just going to throw this in here. You missed two extensions that I want to just hit on really quickly. Chris Sale got a nice little yeah. contract and yeah. Blake Snell. Blake Snell got five years, $50 million. And he got that was off of one Cy Young year, which right, granted and, he was great in. But. And that's also – that's kind of on the lines of Jimenez and how his contract went because Snell had so many years of control left that they right. just – the Rays bought him out and said, here, we'll give you – an average annual that will probably be right around, if not more than what you would have made. And it, it makes him happy. It gives him his 10 million a year where he wouldn't have had the opportunity to make that. And in, in for Jimenez that provides him with long-term security without ever having to go through the stupid arbitration process, which is, is a win for the majors. Really? This is, should be the template going forward of how you bring these guys in these superstars because if you're willing to not sign guys when they're in their mid-30s and in early 30s, you better be able to sign them and be willing to sign them when they're in their early and mid-20s. Yeah, that, but That's the wins? divide right now. Who wins that when you're talking about these guys? I mean, six years, $43 million is obviously anyone who would never stepped on a major league field would take that. But then you talk about Dallas Keuchel, who's already went through arbitration. He's 31 years old. He's still unsigned. And it doesn't look like he's going to be signed anytime soon from what I've heard. You can have that at 31 years old after you've gone through arbitration. Or you can have these younger guys that have guaranteed contracts. Do you like arbitration? Is that is that is that something that we should get rid of in Major League Baseball? Because personally, usually players use it as something to elevate their careers. And they gauge how much they're worth. Well, I think it's the... It's- a good idea if it's implemented correctly. I think the amount of arbitration and and like the terms of control that the teams have over the players is a problem in the sense that a guy like Aaron Judge will not make the money that he should be making just because they have him under control for so long. But at the same time, signing I, I like the idea of signing a guy to an extension because it's a win for both teams or both sides. The team gets the player they want at a reasonable price. You're not overpaying, really, because you're bidding against yourself. But for the player, it provides the long-term security that a guy like Kyler Murray looking at the MLB saying, well, i got to plug away four years in the minor leagues just to make go through arbitration. You know what I mean? This yeah. provides another path for those guys. You can get your money early if you forego maybe – you know, seven million dollars on the the last year of that deal because you'll, you know, if everything pans out, you'll be worth more. But yeah, by that point, you'll be a free agent, ready to sign a you know multi fucking million dollar extension. So and the thing is yeah, like, about like about this is 
I know that some listeners are like, this is so fucking boring. Why are they spending time talking about this? This is so important. I mean, you have no idea. The reason that we have to talk about this is because we have people like Dallas Keuchel and because we have people like Scott Kingerly now who are in completely different boats, salary-wise, contract-wise, but it's all... And production-wise. And, and production wise. And it's all fitted towards this new wave of Major League Baseball, this new way of paying people towards their salaries so they don't become a free agent. So we don't have a Bryce Harper scenario or an arbitration case where you get where you get Mookie Betts making twenty four million dollars. Deservedly, but if if you would have signed that deal when Mookie Betts first came up and you bet on the player, you're gonna get him at a way discounted price, which is what the Rays just did with Blake Snell. Is it a problem? I don't know. Is it important? Yeah. Is it boring? Yeah. But it's important to talk about. But you you have to factor in that these teams have smartened up. They're kind of ahead of the curve now because there were guys. Remember, we saw Jacoby Ellsbury get a huge deal that he didn't deserve. And that was because of past production. Right now, the MLB and its GMs and owners are smartening up and paying for future production. Whereas guys like Dallas Keuchel, who, well, does Dallas Keuchel have a lot left in the tank? Well, we think he's got two years left. But he wants six. We're not going to give him, you know, through 36 years old. He's just not worth it. So let's give this younger guy who we're going to forecast is better in the future. We're going to give him the money that we'd give to Keiko. It yep. makes sense. It's smart. But it hurts the, the players that are not, like, grandfathered in. Like, Dallas Keiko could have signed the extension. But five years ago... Signing an extension before going to free agency was ludicrous. You could make so much exactly. more money in free agency. Yeah. So the way the game has shifted, the off-season game really has shifted, is it's on a tilt right now. There's no and there's no stopping it really. It's it's unbelievable how oh, yeah. how much it's changed in especially, the past five years. Especially in the past two years. I mean, really? the, the past yeah. two years have been dreadful. It's been a terrible thing. Nobody wants to see it happen anymore. And this is why this is an important discussion because. It, I don't know if what if what we're doing now, which seems to be an evolved way of doing this, no, it's never been done before. You would never think of giving a 19-year-old, 20-year-old, $43 million before he's done anything in Major League Baseball. And I get that you can that he can produce, and I get that that could be at a discounted rate. But in Kingerly's case, the Phillies are a good team now. I don't know if Kingerly even fits in, and they're paying him a decent amount. Right, but that is the risk you run, and that's why it's it's great because – Teams are still going to get bit in the ass because they bet on the wrong player. But the teams that do it right, like the White Sox, if they get Jimenez for how long they can have him and he's productive and constantly getting better through his prime, that is going to be a huge win. And for the Phillies, it's the exact opposite, where Kingery is, a you know, that's a big that's a big L that they're taking. They're going to yeah. have to. And just to, just to close out uh, the extension talk, there's two notable people that didn't get an extension. Jacob DeGrom, who, as a Mets fan, every single Mets fan is literally begging for this guy to get an extension. Uh, hopefully that'll happen soon. But the more notable one is Mookie Betts because he discussed it. He said, I don't want an extension. I want to hit free agency, which is exactly what the basically the opposite of what's going on right now with. I mean, we listen, Mookie Betts is not going to be a Dallas Keuchel. He's going to be like a Bryce Harper type of free agent. Everybody in the world is going to want him, and he's going to get paid a great amount of money. But with this extension talk going on, it's a little bit odd to bet on yourself and just 
see how much money can I make, and even if it's not with the team that I've come up with, I've won a World Series with, I'm going to get bet on myself, and if someone offers me more money, I'm leaving. Scott Boris. That's what I have to answer that. It's a Scott Boris agent. Yep, and the agents might be ruining baseball. That's simply how it is. That's that's a, a fair assessment. But, Joe, let me just go on a tangent for a second because this morning I'm reading – in my managerial accounting class, I'm reading my, you know, athletic. I got my newsletter going. I, I'm looking at the Indians. Yep. The Indians owner said, Francisco Lindor has three more years. Enjoy him. That's Enjoy terrible. him. That's like, so bad. Put a knife in my fucking heart, dude. <laughs> like, that means we are losing Francisco Lindor, like, guaranteed in three years he said enjoy him oh it was the never, most fucking ever response ever heard something along the lines of that that says oh. you have three years left with this guy enjoy him because there is no way on god's green fucking earth that you are getting him back that's, that's like asinine that's like if you had like the perfect wife and then they were like you know you got three years with me enjoy <laughs> it and then i'm fucking gone I'm gone, and you're just you're sitting there with your pants down. Like, what am I supposed to do now? It's fucking, it's just you, awful. No, that, that's a good point. Because do you appreciate the three years, or are you just always looking like, oh my god, like I'm getting left in three years, and my life will be in shambles? Right. That's what Frank, yeah. Francisco Lindor is basically the most attractive wife on the planet to to Indians fans, and yeah, you yeah, know, I love him. no, I know so he's gone, and it's so. Just, and this, I hope he sells the team, dude. Sell the fucking team. Give it to someone who will pay the man his fucking money. Just pay him. It's not that hard. Like, and I've come to terms with this. Like, I've come. I know the Indians should probably trade Francisco Lindor either this offseason or next. Yeah. But it's just so fucking devastating to hear the owner come out and say, "Yeah, we're just we're just punting. We're just yeah. punting on this one. Have we're fun. fucking giving him up." Have fun. Oh. With it. Yeah. It's. Enjoy let's him. go to a lighter side. Let's go to the lighter Please. side of. Uh, of the baseball season before Mark has a goddamn aneurysm. Last week he did five, top five hitters in Major League Baseball. And even though all we had is the Japan series, and grantedly we thought about watching it, and that's all. Neither of us watched it because it was 5.30 in the fucking morning. Um, to us, the Major League Baseball season hasn't started. So we're doing top five pitchers. And to expand our top five pitchers, we're going snake style this time. You're going to go, I'm going to go, and producer Jake's going to hop in, and he's going to go. So we're going to get 15 pitchers of the top caliber in Major League Baseball. We do this at the beginning of basically every year. We did it last year, too, and we're probably going to do it at midseason, too, because a lot of stuff can change. But this is one of my favorite segments, so let's just hop right in, Mark. I'll give you the first name because I'm interested that. because I know you have bias. So I'm interested well, no. to see what first name that you take up. Some context here. My fantasy baseball team is built around hitters, so everyone thinks I just have this like vendetta against pitching. That's not true. Um, first pick is going to be, drum roll, okay, Max Scherzer, because there's no other pick. He he's easily the most dominant pitcher of the last three years, and it's really no end in sight. I know he's older, but I mean Max Scherzer is is an absolute fucking animal, and he's got no injury history, so that's what deterred me from getting Clayton Kershaw because I was thinking about it, but I'm going to go Scherzer. I'm going to send it to you, Joe. So we're talking about 2019 and in any other year, even last year, I would have said Clayton Kershaw because Clayton Kershaw has a career like 2-4 ERA. It's one, it's one of the best in Major League Baseball history, but the past two years, he has not stayed on the field. That's just a simple fact and durability has something to do with it. 
I'm going with Jacob Degrom, dude. I have to go. I with knew Jacob. you would. It's he had a one-seven-one last year. He was clear-cut the best pitcher in baseball last year. I'd love to see him do it again. I don't expect him to do it again. But no matter what, the man is going to get paid soon. He is going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball for at least the next five years, in my opinion. Jake. All right. Yeah. Uh, so when it comes to fantasy baseball. I have to say I build my team around my pitching staff because I really never know who's a good hitter because hitting's hard. So nice. uh, last year, my pitcher that I, I took all the way was Chris Sale, and he's in the playoffs last year. He closed out the last game. He was just dominant the whole time. Did he? Ha- I think he had over like 100 strikeouts probably. So, oh, yeah. So, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he I'm going to go with Chris Sale as my pick. <laughs> Good for you. All right, send the next one. You got the next one. Oh, shit. Naked, baby. All right, All right. Uh, and the next one I have is a man that we just talked about. Huge contract extension, Justin Verlander. Uh, I just really like him because uh, like, he was like good in like 2012, I can remember, and then I was like, oh, he sucks now, and then he became like really good again now, and disgusting. he has earned the contract, and I'm like, damn, he's definitely, I think, the best pitcher on the, that Astros rotation, so I got to go with him. I actually like that pick, Jake. Good for you. Good for you. Two good pitchers right there. Joe, send it back, baby. All right. Uh, I can't let him go anymore. Next one's Corey Kluber. I mean, the guy's won how many Cy Youngs? He's been one of the most consistent pitchers in baseball for the last five years. Strikeouts galore. This guy just shoves every single year, does not look back. And he's still decently young, too. So, I mean, Corey Kluber is – I can't believe he's number five to go. I would pick him over probably – two of the five that we already picked it's it's there's a toss-up these are it's a, it's a muddy area but good pick now i got two in a row to guarantee clayton kershaw is the first one you you spoke for him already he, he doesn't need an introduction great pitcher my second one going out on a little bit of a limb here going out on a little bit of a limb here but i'm going to go with joe are you ready for this i'm ready i'm, I'm i don't think waiting. you're ready for this Walker Bueller. What? Yeah. He's going to be the third bat, or well, not the third, but that would be my third pitcher out of everyone who's taken this coming season. He's going to be the third best, one of the best pitchers in the MLB. I am not even going to say the names left on the board. I'm telling you. A guy that pitched half of a season of Major League Baseball to an above average extent. Why does everybody like Walker Bueller so much? I get he's a great pitcher and he throws hard. What makes him so much better than everybody else that's that throws that hard? I, I just saw him it. in the playoffs last year, and he was very, very solid. And I know he gave up that grand slam to Acuna, but everything after that was rock solid. And I love postseason pitching. I think that shows who you really are. I think I'm telling you, for the 2019 season, I want Walker Bueller. I'm writing it down. And if he's not even top 15, I'm coming back with this. That's fine. Because that's... As I definitely a, could have snagged him later. Definitely could have snagged him later, but I ran. I was going to yeah. say Snell, but I was like, I'm, I'm scared about Snell. So yeah. I went with Bueller. I went with the risk. All right. Well, Snell is my guy. I thought about picking him, but I'm going Aaron Nola. I love I that. Think, I think that Aaron Nola might win the Cy Young this year. I think it's going to be between the regulars, but Aaron Nola was in that conversation last year. If it weren't for DeGrom having an unbelievable year, he was going toe-to-toe with Scherzer. I mean... Nola has had taken the next step last year to be one of the top 10 arms in baseball. I think this year he might he has more support around him on offense. He's going to get more wins. 
Uh, the NL East is a very tough division to pitch in this year, I think. But Nola has just disgusting stuff. So, Nola. Jake? All right. Uh, so, I'm going to take Blake Snow because none of you guys did. And I'm like, if I got to have a third pitcher, might as well be a Cy Young winner. You know, won a ton of games last season out of nowhere. You know, the Rays. I said it. I've been saying it. Don't let the Rays get hot. They're going to get hot. And he's going to be their best pitcher, and he's going to lead them. And then my next pick, uh, I'm going to go back to the Astros rotation with Garrett Cole because I've watched a ton Great of pick. Garrett Cole with the Cardinals. I know he's good. They got that spin rate thing in, in, in uh, Houston anyway, so he's doing something with Verlander, and they can totally uh, you know, pick each other's brains. So i got to go with those two as my three and four. I love that. That's good. Look at you, Jake. Look at you. I, I love Garrett Cole. I don't know any pitches. <laughs> I love I love that pick. That was that was probably going to be my next pick. So I'm gonna go. And I hate to be a homer with two picks, but I really think this is the year that Noah Syndergaard takes over. I think it's finally time. If he stays healthy for a whole year, it's time. He, two years ago, the year before last year, last year he dealt with injuries and still had a great ERA. He came in fourth in Cy Young voting. He throws 99 miles an hour. He has a disgusting slider. Everything tool-wise, is there for him to pitch well. He's decently smart at pitching. I don't see a reason why Syndergaard could have a cap on his game this year. As long as he doesn't have an innings limit, as long as nothing like that happens, I think Syndergaard also takes the next step with Nola. I consider them relatively in the same category. Same ballpark. Yeah. Uh, I I think you're a little uh, overzealous on Syndergaard this year. Yeah, that makes sense because Walker Bueller is going to be better, right? <laughs> listen, listen, you wait. I'm telling you, just you wait. He's going to have the year that we thought he was capable of last year when you just see it, you see flashes of brilliance. He's going to have that, that breakout caliber year, and I promise it. I promise. Okay? Right, My next one. Interesting pick here. Going with Bauer. Going with Bauer. Okay. Huge. He's right. shown signs of being a great pitcher, and last year he started to – I mean, he showed it. He had a 2.25 ERA through August, and then he got hurt, missed the whole month of September. He could do it the whole year this year. He can be a Cy Young candidate. He probably had that Cy Young locked up if he pitches the last month. If he pitches the last month, there's, a, there's, a, there's at least a debate to be had that Trevor Bauer deserves that. So he's mine. And then my last one, this is – the hardest pick, and I'm going with another guy who we don't really know, but he's, uh, it's a homer pick a little bit. I feel like this is going to make my don't team look a lot people. worse. Don't no, say I'm not. I'm not. Right. I'm going the big maple leaf, James Paxton. Okay. He's going to break out with the Yankees. He's Paxton have, always has a ton of strikeouts. It, like, right. He's got the tools. And this is the year the team's behind him. This is the year he's got an actual fucking team that can produce for him. He's going to get wins. He's going to pitch how he pitches. He's going to get strikeouts. He'll give up home runs. He's pitching in Yankee Stadium, obviously. But he'll be what the Yankees needed Luis Severino to be in the back half of last year. He'll be a stud. So those are my five. Round it out. Jake, you I got have... off Joe because Joe uh, uh, Joe's yeah. dead. Yeah, I can't really hear Joe right now. Joe, oh, there you we go. He's back. He's back. All right. It's interesting. That you said Larry Severino. Because I thought about him, and I, I thought too. about Strasburg. Those were the two guys that I'm fighting out for and around for the 13 to 15 range. 
I'm going with Luis Severino. There is no it's reason. a month. I, I, yeah, that's fine. I mean, people miss months all the time. You put Bauer when he missed a month last year. Last, the second half of last season for Luis Severino was dreadful. It was absolutely terrible. But that first half, he looked like Doc Gooden. Nobody could touch him. He was electric, and the Yankees need that down the stretch to beat the Red Sox in the pennant. I think Severino has the stuff to be top 10. I mean, I think we're on number 12 right now, and that's basically where I see him. And, of course, when we do this, we leave people off the list that you can put from 15 to 25, whatever. But Luis Severino should be in here because he has the, the capability, the tools, to be top five, in my opinion. I, I can't disagree, but the injuries concern me just a little too much for me to be sold on him. That's why I didn't pick him personally. Jake, this is the last pick right here. Yeah, okay, yep. so I'm going to have my last pick. I'm also going to honorably mention someone that would be Love like that. my 5B. So I'm going to give you my actual five right now. It's David Price. David Price is good. Like, he is a good pitcher. I, I just, like, he won, he won games in the playoffs when they needed him to win games. And... I think he's uh, can like ride that hot streak out of the playoffs. Uh, he's gonna be my five. That's what I want. But I'm gonna give an honorary to Cookie Carrasco because I love his nickname. Okay. First of all, that is adorable for a pitcher because <laughs> that dude just looks like his name would be Cookie, and he just <laughs> picks up a solid amount of wins every year. So yeah, the, the, I got it. I gotta give an honorable mention myself. Go None of it. us picked Madison Bumgarner. Ooh. Yeah, he's boss. Listen, he was hurt last year. But he is the best playoff performer. You talked about playoff performance. He's the best playoff performer yeah. of our generation. I don't think there's any doubt about that, at least pitching-wise. Nobody picked him because last year he missed a lot of time. The year before that he was average, and the Giants haven't made the playoffs in a while. But Madison Bumgarner could easily come back on this list because, I mean, he is he's every guy. He's every player that every manager dreams of. He yeah. is the guy that yeah. you want on the mound in Game 7 of the World Series. He's a horse. I'll, I'll throw my, since we're doing honorable mentions, the one guy I thought of that I didn't say was Zach Greinke because he's a vet, and I, I, didn't, I don't know how his season's going to go this year, but Zach Greinke, kind of like that Madison Baumgartner mold where like he's had past greatness and we don't know what's really ahead of him, but still there's, you know, there's something to be said for everything that he's done in his career. He's still a, you know, a top 20 pitcher in the league. Absolutely. So he deserves the honorable mention as well. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're just going to go right to the spotlight. And the first guy, first of all, we're spotlighting the Rockies this week. And there's a lot of reasons why I want to spotlight the Rockies. But we're talking top five pitchers. Kyle Freeland was not nowhere near our list. I didn't even consider him. Kyle, you know he had a 2-8-1 in cores last year. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Not, I mean, to mention, good. not to mention the Rockies keep adding offense. I don't care what anybody says. Daniel Murphy was one of the best acquisitions of the offseason, and they got him at a discounted price. That's the biggest part, that they got him for cheap. It wasn't even like they overpaid for a guy like that. They got him on a bargain deal, and you know he's going to produce. He's a, he's a hitting machine. Yeah, and in cores, that is going to be one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I wouldn't be surprised if Murphy hits 330, 340 this year. They keep adding people. The Dodgers got worse. The Diamondbacks fell off the planet. They traded Goldschmidt. Padres aren't ready yet. I think this is the year that the Rockies win the division. I think that every year before now, we've always been like, oh, you know what? Like maybe the Rockies will be good. 
and then they just never really succumb to that. Yeah, they've made the playoffs the wild card the past two seasons, and they've even made the divisional round this year, but they haven't gone anywhere because they've been they've been slow. They've been stopped. This is the year that they go. I'm telling you right now that this is the year that they all put it together, and the Rockies are going to go deep into the playoffs this year. And the the one guy, there's one person this year that I've really looked for to be like breakout or bounce back kind of guy. Ian Desmond is playing the outfield again, somewhere where he's comfortable, not playing first, not moving around everywhere. They have him locked into an outfield spot. Yeah, that to me means that Ian Desmond's going to be. He had 20 home runs, 20 steals last year. People did not even acknowledge that. He could do 25-25 this year, and his average can be a lot better than what it was previously, where we're looking at a 285 hitter, 25 home runs, 80 RBIs, you know, 80 runs scored, a very solid player, it, either at the top or the bottom of the Rockies lineup, because that lineup is so deep. It's absolutely stacked. And the thing is, that was what we saw last time Desmond was in the outfield in Texas. Yeah, exactly. In a hitter's place, too. Texas and... Coors are probably the two biggest hitter-friendly stadiums, arguably, in the MLB. Yeah, and the Rockies, like you said, are top to bottom, just unbelievably stacked right now. Plus, they have people that haven't even proven themselves yet. I love David Dahl. I think he is an impact player. They have Garrett Sampson and Ryan McMahon, too. Two high-end prospects that are not even being talked about. So there, there's a lot of things that the Rockies have. And then, of course, every single year we talk about the Rockies, we go, well, their pitching is going to suck because it always sucks. Freeland obviously had that great year last year. And Herman Marquez had a better year than people think. He was up and down for a while, but he finished with a 3-8-1. In cores, I would take that any day of the week. And then you go deeper into the rotation. And you look at John Gray, who was supposed to be the ace last year. He fell to the minor leagues. It never happened. That guy's got stuff, dude. I've watched him pitch. He has disgusting stuff. If Freeland and Marquez can head that rotation and John Gray turns into the prospect that we all thought he was going to be, the Rockies are the team to look out for. I'm just telling you that right now because everybody's going to sleep on them. Everybody's going to say, oh, they're going to make a wild card. They're going to be decent. They're going to win 90 games, and they're going to fall out. It's different this year. The only worry I have, and obviously it, it is the Rockies pitching because that's just so unpredictable because Coors is such a tough place to pitch. But the thing I just don't see the Rockies, I don't look at them as a legitimate World Series contender ever just because I I don't know what it is. There's, I guess it's a stigma behind the Rockies that maybe it's just me not allowing myself to think the Rockies are going to win. But... I need a team that has a Chris Sale or a team that has a Corey Kluber, a Max Scherzer, a Clayton Kershaw, you know, one of those guys. Is Kyle Freeland that? No. Is Marquez that? Probably not. John Gray has the biggest upside of any yeah. pitcher they have. There's no debate in my mind about that. But will he ever reach that? There's a lot of questions within the Rockies staff, starting rotation, that just does not give me confidence to say, they're going to beat the Dodgers. I And I hate the fucking Dodgers. But I love Corey Seager coming back. And I think you get a good year out of Justin Turner. The Dodgers are still the top dog in that division. As much as I want the Rockies to be the, the you know underdog that comes through. 
I just don't see it happening. I just don't. I think that's where we I think that's where we defer. I just didn't like the Dodgers offseason moves. It seems like they sold Puig to make a run at Bryce Harper. When they didn't get Bryce Harper, they settled on AJ Pollock, who granted is a good hitter. He's very comparable to Puig. But at the same time, it's not it's just not what you expected. The Dodgers were supposed to be these big spenders. Their rotation isn't as good as it used to be, especially with questions surrounding Clayton Kershaw. And guess who's starting opening day for the Dodgers? Injin Ryu. I mean, Ryu was also decent last year. He battled his own injuries. But that's not the pitcher that a World Series winning team starts off with. I don't care that your ace is hurt. I don't care that your two is hurt. I don't care that Walker Buehler is supposed to be Jesus Christ himself. (laughs) It's just not. If you start off with Injin Ryu, I don't see you going back to the same place that you were last year. And I just don't think... I mean, yes, Corey Seager is going to be good, but I mean, how much better can he be than Manny Machado? But the thing that I think you're missing is the Dodgers have... Okay, they have a one through five, right? Then they have six, seven, eight starting pitchers that, like Julio Urias, was not supposed to be in their rotation. Ross Stripling was an all-star last year, wasn't even supposed to be in their rotation this year. You're right. Those are guys that are... Yes, they're forced into there because their top dogs are hurt. But those are guys that can carry the fucking mantle. Those are guys that if they were on the Rockies, they could they would be equivalent to Kyle Freeland. If Kyle Rockies Freeland was on the Dodgers, yeah. if Kyle Freeland was on the Dodgers and and you know Ross Stripling was on the Rockies, you're like, oh, those are you know they're comparable. So just because Freeland had good stats in Coors does not. I don't think that makes him just a better pitcher, but. Again, it's that it's the layers that the Dodgers have. They have depth everywhere. They have guys who can play every single position on the field. So it's to me, that's what wins it. They have a million guys, and not to mention, they have a farm system that if they want to, they could trade for just about anyone in the league. I agree. So that's with that. where that's where um the Dodgers still have more capabilities. Do it's unfortunate. Here, here's the thing. Do you believe? that the Dodgers are capable of putting up the numbers they did last year if Muncy doesn't hit 35 home runs. If Kiki Hernandez plays basically the same way he did last year, if they have one big injury to Turner, Seager, or even Pollock again, uh, if and they lost Grandal, the team is not the same as it was last year, and you can't expect somebody like Max Muncy to carry the team, or even maybe Corey Seager off of an injury as severe as it was. I just don't see the Dodgers as good as the Rockies this year. This is where we differ. The Rockies, I think, their biggest issue would be to sign an ace pitcher. And there is one on the market. Have you heard? There is a guy on the market. His name is Dallas Keuchel. Apparently, everybody forgets he existed. I, I didn't. I promise you I didn't. But there's no reason not to sign him. I think they're right on the verge of winning this division. And I think somebody like Dallas Keuchel, who may, not, who may have not gone to the Rockies in the beginning of free agency, but now he might. He doesn't have much of a choice. So I would love to see the Rockies spend on something like that. I would just love to see a team sign Keuchel. Like, honestly. <laughs> but, the poor but, guy. I talk about this every week. I know. And, and the worst part is, like, there are teams. Again, we, I think we said this literally last week. There are fucking teams that have an opening. You need a starter. You're yeah. one starter away from being, a, a, like, a top-tier team. Just go out and get him. Like, and he's there. Would- Sign him to a one-year deal. Like I'm sure he'll just go reset and be like, all right, I'll do well this year, and then I'll exactly. bank on myself. I'm sure he would. 
I'm sure at this point he's at that he's at that level. Just get the goddamn deal done, like please. <laughs> I feel so bad for him, but you know, uh, more power to him if he holds out. But yeah, regardless, gets money. Regardless, uh, real quick, you don't think the Padres are ready to compete in that division, right? That's a false. That's a false. I, I mean, they could. Like, I, I'm not ruling it out. I don't like think they're gonna necessarily win the division but they'll they could be in it until like august where they're like you know it's like oh maybe the padres could do something and then maybe they make a trade there's possibilities there's ways the padres can get to the division lead i don't necessarily see it happening but i wouldn't be utterly shocked if they were you know near the top of the division late in the season Okay. I mean, I, I don't see it. They don't have the pitching for it, but I mean, they do have some decent bats and they're getting older, which is good for them because they're all very young. It's also partly due to the, again, like we discussed, the, there's a weakness in that NL West. And not that they're going to, you know, I just said all these great things about the Dodgers and now I'm going to throw it away. That's not what I'm saying. But the Dodgers, like you said, you made a point. They're not the same team they were. And the no, Rockies improved, but the Rockies were still only a 90-some-odd win team last year. So... The Padres could get there without winning 105 games. Like there's a there's a path Absolutely. for them. There's a path for them. That's all my argument is. Yeah. All right. I think that closes out the spotlight. Let's do some one minutes. Uh, you got anything, Jake? Producer Jake? Uh, yeah. Uh, just a quick thing. Uh, I'm a huge water bottle, reusable water bottle type of guy. And if I can just make a request to everybody listening to use a reusable water bottle instead of plastic water bottles. That'd be cool. Jake's gonna save the environment yeah. by himself. Just you know, by himself. Shout out to reusable water bottles. Love that. Yeah. Mark, got anything? No, you go. You go first. All right. I am extremely psyched, and I shouldn't be, for these Jets' new uniforms. The New York Jets are getting new uniforms, and it's like a complete rebrand. They're getting a new logo. They're getting a new everything. I'm a big Jets fan. Love football. I'm nervous, but I want to see these things happen. So on April 4th. Jets get these new uniforms. If they are not good, please text me, write me an email, and we will sign a petition to improve the uniforms because I'm scared. This franchise has never done anything right, ever. So I don't anticipate these uniforms being anything besides terrible. But I'm still excited because they might be good. That's all I got to say. Mark? I don't have a one minute. I'm so sad. I'm spending this whole time. This is my one minute now. I'm spending this whole time thinking about how I'm going to, what I'm going to talk about. And I just, it's just a blank wall of just nothing. I have you no idea you're running through my head. There's nothing. literally nothing going on in your life right now. Absolutely nothing. Um, no, you don't get the chance anymore. I'm just telling you that there's nothing going on in your life. Right yeah, now. my life's pretty shitty. It's That's pretty nuts. Absolutely terrible. But no, yeah. There's, there's nothing, nothing that interests you. There's nothing that. Oh, oh, happy. how about no, this? I, you I, lost I, your I, chance. I got new windshield wipers on my car. Right, that's going to close out the show. <laughs> Make sure to follow us. Uh, Caught Looking Pod, no G on Twitter. Uh, leave a voicemail for us, 203-936-9165. We know we said we do it this week. Uh, we just put it back. But if you have a top five list of players or pitchers, put it in. Again, that's 203-936-9165. We will show your voicemail. We will shout you out. We're back now with Dr. Rick Marshall, whose new book arrives in stores tomorrow. It was back in Oslo, doctor, last month that you 
just startled your colleagues with this theory of yours that takes science in a completely new direction, quantum, quantum paleontology. Quantum paleontology, that's correct. What exactly is that? Well, it's, it's uh, not to say modestly, it's our very future, Matt. It's the only real solution to solving this fossil fuel crisis we're experiencing, and it boils down to two simple words. Renewable biofuels. Close. Time warps. Time warps? Time warps. You're serious about this? I'm deadly serious. Uh, five years, over $50 million on my research. You've spent $50 million <clears throat> of your own money studying time warps? Oh, no, that's adorable. No, uh, taxpayers' money. I don't have $50 million. And now you're asking for more? It's all explained in my book. I know, we, we plugged the book. My other car is a time machine. Bantam Books, Amazon. We are living in a time right now with, with huge cuts in spent, I saw, huge cuts in spending. Right. We're in dire economic straits, and you're spending $50 million on studying time warps. How do you not think that's irresponsible? Well, are you I, smoking? No, I'm making a balloon animal here. Earthling. But you can't smoke in the studio. Okay, no one told me that. Just, look, you look, can't. Fine. There are huge, huge amounts of trans-dimensional energy out there just waiting for us to throw the switch, energy crisis averted. You are asking people to stake the entire future of industrialized mm -hmm. civilization on what you call parallel dimensions. What about the critics who have a fair question, doctor? They say, mm -hmm. this theory of yours is not science, it is non-science, and some are even more blunt, and they say, it's nonsense. How do you respond to that? My critics. Your critics, and there are a lot of them. Can you be more specific? Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking says this is nonsense. That's his word. Okay, you know what, this interview's over. Why? Because what your producer said, you wouldn't bring that up, all right? It's a fair question. No, it's not, it's a hatchet job. That was my guest, Dr. Rick Marshall, God whose damn book right it was. arrives in stores tomorrow. You might want to look for it in the I'm out of my freaking mind department. When we come back, trampolines, summer fun or silent killer. Hey, 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 are you out of your mind? Hey, this is Today with Matt Lauer. It's been some time since my final guest was here, but after the remarkable events of the past year, he needs no introduction. He's back with a new book and more startling evidence of, you guessed it, time warps. The pipes allowed, I asked. That's great news. You've had quite a year. Actually, a stellar year, Matt. In fact, I brought you back a dinosaur egg, yeah. which uh, my beautiful partner and lover, Holly Cantrell was gracious enough to transport. And I'm obviously very excited about my new tome. It's a book. 16 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Let me get to your discovery, doctor, because... This is for you. I signed it. You're supposed to say the title and the publisher. That's not gonna happen. Just say it. No! Just say the damn title. Fine. Matt Lauer Can Suck It by Dr. Rick Marshall. I, I was so surprised that your attorney signed off on that. I was like, are you sure? Is this going to be okay? He said, yeah, go for it. Son of a bitch. Ow, ow, you, you puss!